Can we get back together again? Right, so um, I'm going to introduce myself. A lot of you know me already, uh, but it's always an important thing to do. Uh, here's what I am not. I am not I am. Right? You guys know who is I am, right? I am not I am. Uh, I cannot be. Um, but I am Lazarus Adua. Um, here's the thing. Uh, my name is one of the most famous ones in the Bible. Isn't it true? Right. I mean, you take out a couple of names and it is like the one that most people remember. Right? Uh, it never really... So uh, I'm, a, I'm in some kind of disadvantage because sometimes when I introduce myself to people, they remember easily. But I don't get to remember their names that easily because my name is famous. Um, um, but I'm not famous. Um, um, uh, and I'm going to introduce my immediate family right here. Um, so let me get my clicker. You guys were not seeing the stuff I was seeing. So, All right, so I'm not I am, Lazarus Adua, if you want the spelling right there. And this is my family. Um, so to, the, to your left, right? It's my wife, beautiful wife, and it so happens that today she's wearing some kind of a red dress. It's my favorite, right? That's my favorite color. Uh, <laughs> right, so she wanted to give me a treat today. And then you have my uh, Bethany next to her, Eliezer, who's uh, our son, 15-year-old. And he's so happy that he's taller than me. And, and I often tell him that, but I'm still stronger than you, right? <laughs> uh, there's going to be a day that you'll be stronger than me too, but... At this moment, I'm stronger than you. So, uh, um, anyway, so um, today I'm going to be speaking about fear. Uh, this is something that we all experience sometimes. And, uh, uh, and I see almost, almost as we are being exhorted sometimes to walk against our nature because fear really is somewhat part of our nature. Uh, but before we do that, let's pray. Okay. Uh, if you don't mind, if you want, you can stand, you can sit, you can kneel, you can do whatever that is comfortable for you when you speak with God. Okay. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. There are many people across the world who don't have this opportunity. We have the freedom to be able to gather here today. We invite your presence in our midst. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Father, as I speak with a foreign accent, let my message ring clear in the hearts of all gathered here, in the ears of all gathered here. Fill every heart in this space with your peace and edify everybody. At the end of the day, Lord, let everybody leave here with something important. I thank you. I bless your name. Amen. Right. So, um... Just before I start, I would like to give a, a very brief statement about myself. Uh, so many years ago, I was raised as a Roman Catholic, right? And I remember that the catechist used to call me the friend of Jesus. And I really liked that. And he even will say, you were raised from the dead. And I actually believed it, like literally, because I was a child. And then when I was growing up, everybody believed that I was going to become a priest. And at some point, I mean, I mean Roman Catholic priest. At some point, I believed it myself. Uh, there was this uh, Catholic priest who was so, I just so much loved. I, I admired him so much. He had a very tall motorcycle, and I just wanted to be able to have something like that. It was called, I think in Ghana we called it the desert horse. Um, this priest, we used to call him Father Demon. But it's really not Demon, we just didn't know the right pronunciation of his name. The name was, I think it's an Irish name, Diamute or something like that, but we just call him Father Demon. Um, <laughs> but somehow, I mean, once I got into my 20s, somehow I started walking away. I got disinterested in anything about being in the pulpit and the priesthood and everything. And I have always been comfortable coming and just sitting here and listening. And then Dan said, no, you're not gonna that's not going to happen, right? Uh, so in many ways, I've been trying to just stay at one place, not be part of, not, not speaking at all in front of a church, and here am I today doing exactly that. Now, you can never beat God. Whatever his plan is, he will always get it done, right? Uh, so, um, 
All right, so as I said, we're going to be speaking about fear. And I, uh, a great American uh, once made this, uh, uttered these words. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. You guys remember that great American? Very historical leader. Uh, that the only thing that is there to fear is fear itself. In a sense, there is nothing for us to fear. These are very inspiring words, right? But the question is, is it true? Now, I am nowhere near this great American. I'm talking about FDR, right? I'm nowhere near him, but I'm going to disagree with him today. (laughs) Right? He's a great man, right? Um, I'm going to disagree with him today, at least on these words, uh, that fear is not the only thing out here that can scare people. There are many other things, right? Um, So, and I'm going to start with this verse from our own Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pull up here and then. uh, Here's what Jesus said. In this world, you will have trouble. If If you think about that, what it simply means is that in this world, there will be a lot of things that will likely generate fear in you. So when I say I would disagree with FDR, it was just not me, right? Jesus also disagrees with him, right? Um, And so that is the point, and I'm going to be able to talk about this as we go forward, but uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to read a few things here, uh, and I call them there, there's probably someone in this room I have something here that is not on the slide because you don't want to put a lot of things in there. And so there is probably someone in this room who is wondering how they will make the next rent or mortgage. And that is generating fear. Uh, There is probably someone in this room who is dreading a serious medical diagnosis. That will generate fear. At least can generate fear. Uh, There is probably someone in this room who is concerned about the direction and future of their family. That will generate fear. And there is somebody in this room, probably, concerned to death about losing their children to the state or to whatever, to drugs and so many different things. That can generate fear. So if you think about, oh, it's back in front. I thought I just did. So when I printed, I didn't know it did back in front. So it's okay. Uh, there is probably someone anxious about their 401k savings. I don't have enough. And I don't have a lot of time to work and build up the savings. And there is probably a young person in this room who is distressed that he might lose a lady he has fixed his eyes on to somebody who appears to be a better suitor. <laughs> right? Uh, thankfully, I'm not in that boat, right? <laughs> I have a beautiful woman over there, so I'm not in that boat at all. <laughs> um, okay. So this is what I call the probabilist. And Think about it. There are a lot more things out there. These are things that may be more personal, uh, but there are other things that are not personal. Uh, There's conflict that's happening in different parts of the world. Uh, There are people who are concerned about all all, all different kinds of things. And it strikes me as strange that FDR uttered this word during the Great Recession, when people were really, really scared. Uh, So I understand why he uttered them. The idea was just to get people to not... Be paralyzed by fear. Right, so let's... Um, but it is not just FDR who is saying that do not fear, right? You can bring in the Bible now and you have the same thing. Matthew 10, 28. Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. And then you go to Isaiah 43, 1. Don't fear, for I have redeemed you. Then Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Not about your 401k. Not about anything. And then you have Luke 12, 32. Do not be afraid, little flock. 
Uh, I would argue that the, the difference between what the Bible says about fear and maybe FDR is that the Bible does not say there is nothing to fear. It's just simply saying, do not fear. Right? Um, now, here's my submission to us this morning. Both the Bible and FDR, in many ways, are calling us to walk against our nature. They are essentially walking, telling us to walk against our nation, our nature. Think about swimming against the current. Right? And I'm going to talk about that briefly, but here's the reason why I'm saying that. through this already. So, um, as I said, my submission is that we have been exhorted to walk against our nature. Uh, fear has been with us since time immemorial. The very first man feared. He was feared of something that was like, the reason for the fear was kind of not anything you should be afraid of. I mean, I went to San Francisco, maybe Sacramento, and I saw that, and people were walking around naked, and they were not afraid of anything. Right? Yeah, I mean, and I, I was actually shocked. That's like, when I first visited, I saw people walking like totally naked from head to toe. I'm like, ooh, okay. <laughs> it was like scary, almost scary. Uh, and I had just come to America, okay, so I was very new here too. <laughs> um, so as I said, fear has been, uh, time immemorial, it has been with us for a very long time. Uh, Genesis 3, um, 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord. I don't know why they were doing that. How could you ever hide from God? But they tried to hide. Uh, among, hide from God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. So again, I just made a commentary. Something as simple as being naked, they went in, they were, they were not willing to be seen by God. Right? So uh, just that verse alone tells me that there are a lot of things that can scare people. And what will scare you may be different from me and, and, and other people, but it is there. But here's a shocker. Jesus as man. And I want to differentiate Jesus as God from Jesus as man. So when Jesus took up the, uh, the mantle or whatever you call it to uh, sacrifice himself, at the point of being sacrificed, he had to become man in order to be able to atone for our sins. So Jesus as man became scared of something. Here we go. Then Jesus went. Let me say that. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, "Sit here while I go there and pray." And taking with him Peter and the other sons of Zebedee, he began. He be he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. So you can think about troubled and um, sorrowful. Uh, I, again, I had somebody help me out with that. She found that for me. And when I said she, you know what I mean. Uh, I was trying to understand what does it, when the Bible says Jesus was sorrowful, what did it mean? When he says he was highly distressed or troubled, what does that mean? Uh, and she said, let's go to the Greek people. and Let's, let's understand it from the original Greek language. Now, I'm not going to attempt to uh, say it because I can't. If you can say the words, uh, that's okay, but I can't. Uh, I, I tried to look for it on Google to see how it can be pronounced, but I couldn't. Uh, but here's the first one, sorrowful, and the second one is uh, distressed. And sorrowful means to pain. From that, I'm talking about or from the Greek perspective. To pain, to grieve, and to vex. Uh, what about a distressed or troubled? It means to feel fear. 
to feel fear, lack of courage. That's another definition of fear, right? Uh, to be distressed or troubled. It's not surprising that if uh, many years ago when there was some conflict in Northern Ireland, they called it the Troubles, right? That was the name they called it, the Troubles. So um, all of this thing I'm saying is just really to let you see that if you ever get afraid of something, you are not alone. And you would never be alone. Uh, the question is, how long do you stay in that fear? How do you respond to that fear? And ultimately, that's where we want to get to. We want to get to how do you respond to that fear when something happens that is very scary to you. So, think about it this way. Here's my submission again, that the first Adam, who is Adam, and the second one, who is Jesus, experienced fear. Both of them experienced fear. Which means that if we are like them, if we are like Adam, if we are like Jesus as man, we will experience fear sometimes. But uh, we would see what Jesus did when he experienced fear. And I think the, the goal is for us to do the same when we experience fear. So um, just to uh, take it away from the, the scriptures alone and, and just go back to psychology, biology, or whatever it is, that fear is like pain. In fact, in many ways, fear is necessary to sometimes. Uh, getting scared of something can be useful sometimes. Uh, so fear is like pain, and I call it God's own plan to preserve our lives sometimes. Uh, think about it this way. When you experience pain in your chest, sudden pain in your chest, what are you likely to do? You will call 911. That pain can be distressing. It can be painful. But it might signal something, and you will get some intervention, and that will save you. What about if you fear about losing your family? You may likely go see what? So I'm now moving from pain to fear, right? When you experience that kind of fear, Oh, I might lose my family. I might lose my son to the state or whatever. What are you likely to do? You may get call a counselor because you don't want to lose them, especially if you love them, right? If you don't love them, maybe so you're just, okay, let it be, right? But if you love them, you would do something about it. Actually, it won't even be fear. If you don't love your family or whatever, it won't be fear. You won't be afraid that you're going to lose them. Okay. Um, if you, fear, if you have some fear about health problems or complications, you will do something about it. Maybe you eat well. Uh, you engage in some exercise. You do something about it because of that fear. And then if you fear of being mugged or mauled by a bear in the woods, <laughs> you will get pepper spray with you when you go walking in the woods. Isn't that true? Or you get a sword, like me. <laughs> Right. I've been telling my son that I'm going to buy a sword. <laughs> so when we go walking, I can carry it out with me. And he says, if you buy it, get me one too. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. Um, but the point is, you do something about it. Just like pain. Right. And that's why I said it is, in some ways, it's God's plan to preserve us, us during our lives on earth. Right? He has given us some time to be here, and he wants to make sure that he can preserve our lives during that period that we are here. And fear can sometimes do that. Right. So I sometimes tend to look because there's no syncing between the two, okay? Between my computer and what is up there. Uh, so my question is, why are we being exalted or ex encouraged to not fear. The Bible says that do not fear. FDR says, guess what? There's nothing to fear except fear itself. And then I've just told you that there's a lot to fear. And by the way, that fear is actually sometimes uh, meant to preserve our lives. And I, I think the, the key part is this. We are only being encouraged. That's my point. 
we are being encouraged to not dwell upon that fear. We are being encouraged to not be paralyzed by it. Right? Um, so think about, again, going back to the, the metaphor of the pain in the chest. If you experience pain in the chest, you must respond properly. You must do the right thing. Now, if you don't, here's what is likely to happen. You, will be car- you may be carried out on a gurney, and you are covered from head to toe. Right? You know what I mean? Okay. Um, so you don't want that to happen, so you call 911. If you stay paralyzed in, in, in fear, that's about the same thing that's going to happen to you. You may not die a literal death, but you could be dead in some ways too. So there must be an, a proper way to respond to fear. Uh, and so I've spent the last few minutes just trying to let you see uh, that we are being told not to fear and also to let you see that fear in some way is part of our nature. Uh, but the Bible says do not fear. So now my next step is to have some conversation about how do you get to the point where when you experience that object of fear, whatever it will be, maybe your 401k or, uh, or the young man you want and you're losing, what should you do? And that's the next step in, in this uh, um, I don't want to call it sermon, but I guess it is. Um, so dealing with fear. I'm going to move mine, get there. I was way back behind. All right, so um, as I said, fear in this world you will experience uh, trouble. I am not the one saying it. You know who said that? Jesus said that. Jesus said that in this world you experience trouble. And I explained to you that trouble also means fear in some ways. Uh, if you look at the original, the use of the term. Um, but what should you do with the fear? Um, I spent a lot of time studying this, trying to understand from the Bible's perspective, what can you do when you encounter something that is likely to scare you? What should you do? And I want to believe that everybody in this room has encountered, is encountering, or will encounter something that will scare them. Right? What should you do when that happens? Okay. Uh, so uh, the Bible has a blueprint. Uh, blueprints are basically uh, usually government statement about what we want to do, right? a policy statement. So the Bible is a blueprint for our lives. So here's what I think. There are two, when I'm reading a lot of uh, the Bible and getting a lot of support from my wife, um, we came with these two things that we can do. Dwelling in the word, the promise, the kingdom, and not fear. And the second one is crying out. Um, and I'm going to add, oh, maybe too fast. I'm going to add that these two things are not mutually exclusive. And what that simply means is, it doesn't mean if you do one, you cannot do the other. In fact, sometimes, in fact, most of the time, if you do one, you end up doing the other. And that's why I call uh, that thing the golden zone. I just called it, right? Uh, The golden zone is where there's an intersection between dwelling within the Lord and calling out to him when you really need to. Uh, So uh, you want to be in the golden zone as much as possible. Uh, but I'm, I've separated them out so it will be easier to talk about it. Right. All right, so uh, dwelling in. We're going to start with the first one. So when troubles knocks at your door, fear may grip you. But my second point says, do not dwell in it. Do not be paralyzed by it. So what should you do? What should you dwell in? Who should we dwell in? And um, here's the simple answer. Dwell instead in he who has overcome this world. When I gave you that verse that said, in this world you have trouble, I didn't say it all to the end. The entire verse, there's something that added to it that says, but I have overcome this world. 
the Lord Jesus has overcome this world. So I am saying that dwell in he who has overcome the world, right? Why dwell in your fear? Um, let's look at uh, um, John 16.33. Jesus speaking. So I'm, I'm just going to pretend I'm Jesus right now. Uh, I have told you this things so that in me you may have peace, right? That even in those troubles, you will still have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say you may. In fact, he could have used a more legalistic word that's like you shall have trouble. Uh, But anyway, he said you will have trouble. He didn't say you may have trouble. Now, so if you're a Christian and you think that it's just going to be rosy for you all the time, I'm sorry, that's not the case. It's not going to be. That's the reality. It's not going to be rosy all the time. There are times where things are going to not be good. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. This is the part that I love. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Not I, I mean Jesus. I'm just relating what he said, right? (laughs) I can't overcome this world. Um, We can all overcome this world in small, small bits, right? By just being good Christians and living our life nicely and being good neighbors and that kind of thing. Dan talked about being good neighbors. We can uh, can achieve that too. But here's another one. God's promise to Moses' successor, Joshua. And he did that through Moses. This promise applies to you, applies to me, it applies to all, everybody, even those who don't believe. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Isn't that great? Um, when I thought about the two words, why did he use both leave and forsake? Sometimes they are synonyms, but not all the times. Now, for instance, my wife and I, we've left our families in Ghana. The leave part we've left, but we have not forsaken them. Forsake means to abandon, right? So we still maintain relationships with them. We have not, but God says, no, look what, I'm not even going to leave you let alone forsake you. And that promise was not just to Joshua, it's for you and me and everybody else. Uh, So he says, the Lord and... um, Yeah, okay, so let's keep going on. Here's another promise. And ultimately, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be able to uh, hopefully talk about some three points about the dwelling in. Ultimately, that's what I'm hoping I'm getting at, based on all these verses. Romans 8, 39. Neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation, not Satan, will be able to separate us from the love of God That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from his love. Um, So now just think about it. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you. And that nothing is going to diminish his love for you. I'm even using the word diminish, right? Sometimes love can diminish, right? Um, But his is not going to diminish for you regardless of what you do. So, having said that, maybe I should go back and you guys will see what I was reading. Neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation. Anything else in creation. Okay. Um, Anyway. So, we can move on to, so the Lord says, three things. I have overcome this world. That's the first thing he said. The second thing he says, I will never leave or forsake you, me, 
everybody else. And the third one, he says, nothing can separate you from my love. I really love you. Now, with all these things said, and all of these things are directed to you and me and, and the rest of the world, here's my question. This is a big deal, isn't it? I mean, the three points I just listed, they are a big deal. Nothing can, so, uh, my question is, why will you not dwell in these things that he has said when fear grips you? And we will all sometimes experience it. Why will you, will you not speak those things to yourself? My Lord has overcome the world. My Lord will not leave or forsake me. Nothing can separate me from his love. Why will you not dwell in those? I will. Well, I sometimes try. I try a lot. Now, it's not easy. I don't want to make it sound like that easy because fear is something that can really be hard to overcome, right? Um, uh, but it is important for us to recognize that we have, we have something. We have a heaven that you can dwell in and be safe from whatever fear is thrown at you. You just need to remember that. And I'm hoping that by the end of the day, uh, this will be some of the things you take with you. So, um, fear is real, but the antidote to that fear is in your heart. The antidote is in your heart. It's not here. You know what I'm talking about? Or who I'm talking about? Remember, uh, your body is a temple of who? He is in your heart already. The antidote is there. Uh, so you need to just take advantage of it. It's not external. Um, so you have the Prince of Peace, which is Jesus Christ. So here's what I mean by dwelling in him. I'm just going to give some three points about dwelling. What do you do exactly? Right? And the first one is place your faith absolutely in Christ Jesus. And think about the word absolutely. Just put it there. You can trust that. I know there are times where people do some trust games where you can stand on something. People are behind you. You will trust them enough to fall back. What about Jesus? You should trust Jesus more. I mean, I did that, those things before, but yet still, <laughs> behind my mind, I'm like, okay, if something were to happen, like one of them gets, suddenly gets a heart attack and falls down, <laughs> right? Or one of them suddenly collapses at that very moment that you're falling, but that is not going to happen with Jesus. Will it ever happen? Absolutely put your faith in him. Uh, believe, accept, and internalize the promises he has offered. I showed you three of those promises, right? You have to accept them. You have to internalize them. Internalization just means that let them be part of your life. Let them come to define you. So you have, but you have to accept them first. That's the good thing about Jesus. He's never going to force anything upon you. He's never going to do it. Right? Um, and... Uh, Third one, depend absolutely on the Holy Word and the Holy Spirit. Those are the things that will guide you. The Word will provide you guidance. The Spirit will strengthen you. So you want to dwell on those. This is exactly what I mean by dwelling in. And I just gave you two or three scriptures about the greatness of dwelling in, within the kingdom of God. I mean, think about it. In America, one of the safest places to live is where? If you can get it. Uh, no, I mean a, a house, some kind of a house. Like the White House. The White House is one of the safest places to live, right? There's a protection 24-7. But you know, when 9-11 happened, President Bush was forced to stay in the Air Force several minutes, because the White House suddenly was no longer safe. 40,000 feet in the skies. But if you stay in the house of God, that is, not, that is not going to be a problem. You will not fear. It's going to be, remain safe forever and ever. 
I was just trying to relate it to kingdom, right? The White House, is, uh, the president is not a king, but uh, he lives better than kings, actually. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a big airplane, big house, big everything. Um, so when you do these things, I believe that you will not be paralyzed by fear. I'm not promising that you will not get afraid of stuff, but I'm just saying that you will not be paralyzed by it. You will respond appropriately. Uh, let's move on to the next one, which is cry out. And I have two verses from the Bible that I'm going to just talk about. Uh, let's start with this one. And I'm saying, wake him up. Wake him up, Jesus. Just wake him up. Tell him that, hey, God, I'm in trouble. Yes, what happened? When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. That's a good step they made. Like They followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep, was sleeping through the storm. Think about it for a minute. Can you do that? Can you sleep through a storm? I think you could if you are, if you are trusting in the one who slept through the storm. Okay. Uh, and they went and woke him up. I, said, I started by saying that, wake him up, metaphorically, right? Because he's really not sleeping. I, did, I don't even know whether he was really sleeping. I don't know. Maybe he was. But, but today we know Jesus is never sleeping. He's never sleeping at all, right? Uh, but at least metaphorically go, wake him up, tap him and say, Jesus, I have a storm. Calm down my storm. And, uh, and he said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. I mean, that's the only thing you lose. That's the only thing you get that is kind of, um, I don't know. Okay, let's just move on. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. And then the man, the, the man marveled, saying, what sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? What sort of man? He is our man. He is our Lord. Right? Um, and then, here's the second one. Save me, Lord. Anybody remembers who said that in the Bible? And, and this is where people who are very close to Jesus himself, right? And yet they were scared. They were like close to the Lord, God. They were scared. You expect me not be scared sometimes? But anyway, so here's another one, which is a good template about what to do when you, are, you encounter fear, something that is fearful. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to, uh, to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They were afraid. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It's I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. This is what Jesus is going to tell you. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind... But when he saw the wind, you can replace that with your object of fear. You can replace that. That's why I put it in red. He was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Cry out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith. Why did you doubt? So you have the Lord with you and you doubted. Um, my wife told me something that I, I should just say it here. He made a mistake. He took his eyes away from the Lord. In order to see the wind, you have to be, to be looking away from the Lord. Uh, and that if he had maintained his look to Christ, probably he will not encounter the fear that sent him sinking to the bottom of the lake, towards the bottom of the lake. So there are troubles in this world, 
and I would say that these troubles are very burdensome. They are too heavy for you to carry by yourself. Some of them, they are too heavy. Is anybody here who doesn't have very, a very heavy load? Yeah, okay, so nobody. Good. So Jesus as man modeled crying out when his crucifixion approached. And I keep saying Jesus as man, right? I hope you get, get it that uh, at some point he was basically, because he, to become the sacrificial lamb, uh, he had to take our place. He had to become man and get crucified at that point. So at that point, some of the fears that you and I have, he started having them. So he modeled what to do when that kind of fear comes. He's, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup, let this cup pass from me. You know what a cup is? The pain he's going to endure for us. The suffering he was going to suffer for us. He said, if it is possible, just let it pass. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. That's what Jesus did. When he was troubled, when he was sorrowful, what did he do? He prayed to the Father. I hope you get what I'm trying to say now. Right? That when you're troubled, what should you do? When I'm troubled, what should I do? Tend to the Lord. Wake him up. up. Call out to him and say, save me, Lord. I'm sinking. So, um, So Jesus has an open invitation to you and to everybody. He says, Come and exchange your burdens and your cares for my yoke. And he says that his yoke is lighter than those burdens that you have. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Here's one of the things I encourage you to learn. Sleep through the storms. He did that, and he says, learn from me. I'm not the one saying it. He says that, learn from me. Sleep through the storms. <laughs> I know, yeah. But if you dwell in him, you might be able to sleep through the storms. Right? You can't do it on your own. You can't. Nobody can. But if you dwell in him, if you cry out to him, I'm sure you can sleep through the storms. Uh, so, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Change. Take mine, give yours to me. Give me your heavy burdens. That's what Jesus says. So, my question is why wouldn't you? Why would you carry it on your own? So a couple of people did that. Um, um, hopefully I can just talk about one of them. Um, the disciples, Peter, said, Lord, save me. Martin Luther King, uh, John Newton. Uh, Martin Luther King, I'll say just briefly, maybe one minute. When he took, up, uh, took over as a leader of the civil rights movement, if you recall, his home was firebombed. Martin Luther became very scared. And he's like, I'm talking about Martin Luther King Jr., American Martin Luther, not the German one. Okay. Um, so, am I right for saying German? I don't know. Um, but So, he went on his knees in the evening one night. The wife and daughter went to bed. He went and prayed heavily to God. He said, am I making a mistake for taking on this mantle? And he said he got clear message from God that I will be with you. He didn't say, I'm going to lighten the burden in some way. He just says, I will be with you. That strengthened Martin Luther King Jr. And he never became afraid of anything that gave him the courage to go for whatever he believed in. John Newton, an unbeliever. The boat is rocking. Then he remembered that, ah, there might be God. And then he prayed. And you know what happened? 
some kind of cargo. And the ship they were traveling in had a hole in the, uh, what do you call the body of the ship? The hull, right? There was a hole in there. He prayed, said, God save us, like Peter did. And cargo somehow miraculously shifted and closed the hole. See, God doesn't respond to only Christians. This guy was not a believer at that point. He just prayed. We can do the same thing. And I, I, my, I don't know whether I have time for this, but I had the Great Recession. You guys remember the Great Recession? Uh, all recessions have been called recession only. They are never called great. So it is, if you take the Great Depression, that is the worst economic meltdown in America. American history. I remember at that time, I was a graduate student, struggling, and I was really, really worried about it because she was earning an income. We were on her health insurance, I mean my wife, and there was a possibility because the economy is bad. If she loses her job, we're in trouble. And as an international student, you are required to have health insurance. They don't care how you get it. Right? So I was in a bind. I was so worried. I was so scared. And I prayed. Silently, I went to bed, and the Lord told me that you will never go below the waves. I told my wife that. He said, you won't go below the waves. You may struggle, but you will not go below the waves. And then my fear disappeared. I was not worried that we are going to lose anything, and we did not lose. She kept her job, and things turned out right. I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are still here, right? Uh, but again, when you pray to God, there's one catch. And the catch is this. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You have to be willing to say that. Uh, sometimes what God will do is he will not take the cup away. Did he take it away for Jesus, from Jesus? Jesus drank that cup. Sometimes he will not take it away from you, but he will strengthen you to drink it, whatever your cup is. You were trying to me to drink my cup, whatever it is. Okay. Uh, so um, that is my message today. I don't know whether we still have time. Um, I had, so my job as a, I teach, and you never teach a lesson without doing an exercise. <laughs> Anybody who has been a teacher before knows that. Um, so what I want us to do now is um, she's passing out some index cards. Think deep down in your heart, what is your number one fear? <laughs> Grab an index out, write down your number one fear. Yeah. That's from Papua New Guinea. It's speaking English from Papua New Guinea. <laughs> I just borrowed it. Um, Decide on how you want to deal with that number one problem. Whether you want to dwell in the, in the Christ, uh, whether you want to cry out, or you want to do both. But write it down. I think sometimes just writing it down helps. This is my number one fear. This is going to give a minute for you to write them down. Or it's, I said number one, so it should be just one. If you want to write more, it's up to you, but just one. And when you are done writing that down, and you've decided on what you want to do, take a minute and do it now. Right? Take a minute and do it now. Um, I think it's about time to... Whilst you're doing that, I'm going to um, invite the... Um, not yet. It's still time. Okay. Okay, just close. Okay. Right, so... Um, when you're done with that, just go ahead and pray of it silently, and we're going to try to... Um, I'll end with a prayer, and then we can... Uh, Close the sermon today, but hopefully you've all got some message from God uh, today that will help you with your fears.
And uh, well, I had this other point in there, but I think the baskets have already passed. So, <laughs> so if you can hand it over to Diana or anybody who's in the leadership, right? If you really want follow-up prayer on, on whatever your number one is. And I said, you don't have to put your name on it, but if you want to put it, that's also fine. Because we want to make, encourage everybody to be able to really bring their fear. God will know your name, even if you don't. Remember Adam hiding? He will know where you are. He will know your fear. All right. All right, so let's, um, as you, let's, let's finish with a collective prayer. And, um, and feel free to stand with me. Uh, if you don't mind, I might actually say, please stand with us. Okay. If you can physically stand, please stand. Father God, this is the day that you have created. This is the day that you have decided to give out this message. I pray that it will settle down in people's hearts. It will settle down in the heart of everybody who listened to it, that it will bear fruits. And that, Lord, that the fruits will not be limited to the ones who received it here in this room. It will be spread to everybody else. That the people who interact with members of this church will experience the glow of God. We thank you and we bless you. And by the way, if you need more prayer, we have the prayer team there here, and they can pray with you about whatever the issue is that you are struggling with. Um, and uh, please don't forget to give your card if you want to. Right. Uh, thank you for coming today, and uh, may the peace of Christ, the perfect peace of Christ, be with you all. Amen. Thank you.